Hello, welcome to episode number 151 of the Nerd Protocol Podcast. This is a solo episode, which always seemed to go so well, or go random, or go the computer restarting itself, or something always seems to go wrong. So you may or may not have noticed on Twitter, at Nerd Protocol on Twitter, by the way, if you are not already following us on Twitter, go ahead and follow us on Twitter, at Nerd, Pro, at Nerd Pro Quo. So that we haven't posted anything about U- uh, Anime USA, I think I might have mentioned this last week, but uh, there is going to be people who have been on this podcast who are at Anime USA, but we will not be doing the live uh, podcast from there for financial reasons. I couldn't get out to DC, so that's not actually going to be happening. That doesn't mean that there isn't going to be some Anime USA coverage and... Uh, uh, dumb me uh apparently a couple weeks ago didn't even realize that there was an anime convention uh here at the javits center in new york city which i would have gone to or would have bought tickets to ahead of time but didn't know about i only say that to say that there's going to be some i'm going to be talking about some anime at least one anime in this episode and it's like hey we didn't really hear anything from you from those two huge anime events that are that happened uh anime usa in dc and uh and you know the new york anime con and all that there's gonna be more of that coming next year i'm gonna be planning that a little bit better but in the meantime we didn't really get to do that uh there were people who went uh, there is someone who did, who is going to Anime USA. There's going to be some panels that you should check out Anime at Anime USA. I don't have the list yet. I could probably, uh, if people are interested, hit us up on at Nerdforkle at Twitter or Nerdforkle at gmail.com. We can let you know if you're going to be there. Some cool events are going to be going on. Unfortunately, our podcast is not one of them. Another podcast is going to be going up, uh, that weekend, uh, stuff that we, you know, have been putting off for schedule reasons, like the Punisher episode and Runaways, which we haven't covered yet. But uh, since it happened this week, and I think I believe I'm the only one on the team who hit the team, the team. Let's just call it the team on the Nerf Coach team. The crew of us who have been doing these podcasts. I believe I'm the only one who watched uh, Crisis on Earth X and still kind of consistently watches any of the CW stuff. And being that a uh, little bit of a, not a spoiler, more like a, a caveat. Is that how you say that word? You can correct me. Go ahead. All of you grammar pronunciation nerds, correct me on that one about uh, this one is that I'm going to be comparing it somewhat to Justice League, even though we haven't posted our Justice League review yet. I know, we're so late. We suck at this internet thing as far as putting stuff up. It's just a scheduling thing. We see it, almost all of us end up seeing it, opening the weekend, going to be start probably in the new year. You're going to see preliminary reviews uh, like non-spoiler reviews go up uh in the sort of text like uh blog 
part of the site. There's going to be some rearranging there. Right now we have the podcast as the front page, as the home page, because that is the thing that is mainly what we're doing. There were a bunch of other video uh, projects, a lot of stuff that if you go to nerdbrogo.com, you're going to see those links that haven't been updated in a really long time. Some of those are going to be shifting. They're going to be called something else. This is all just maintenance stuff that I'm telling you right now. You can skip past this and wait till I actually talk about some stuff, which is, and wait for it now. So going to be comparing Crisis on Earth X to Justice League a little bit, even though we haven't actually posted our Justice League review yet. The main thing you need to know if you haven't watched, if you didn't watch the CW, however you might feel about CW shows, I know a lot of us have some feels about them. I know I definitely have. I know there are a lot of things worth criticizing that have a lot to do with stuff stylistically and like show structure wise that they haven't changed at all since Smallville has been on. And those things are still, uh, it's still, you know, pretty people problems on all of those shows. But what do you want? It's the CW. Uh, they have a demographic. They are appealing to it. So, honestly, with some minor exceptions, there I'm not going to say you should be watching The Flash or, or Arrow or, or, you know, Legends of Tomorrow or Supergirl because they're all connected, but I to a certain extent, all of those shows are targeted towards slightly different audiences. I will say, even though I'm going to be doing a longer podcast about this, once the seasons end, uh, The Flash and Arrow, which are the only two that I consistently watch, I I, I tried to watch uh, Supergirl. The only region, reason why I still we still watch and live tweet Legend of Tomorrow is because it's on right after The Flash usually focusing on something else which means you'll see a lot of you see a lot of tweets during the flash when we live tweet the flash and not so many for legends of tomorrow and that's because by the time legends of tomorrow comes on we're usually doing something else although i do enjoy that show that show it's really good when it embraces its own its own silliness and really bad when uh, it tries to be too serious and there are at least one character who is just terrible and we will get to that in a moment. So basically, Crisis on Earth X it might sound familiar, slightly familiar to some comic book fans because it sounds a lot like two things. It sounds a lot like Crisis of Infinity Earths, which I kind of already did on The Flash where instead of the Flash actual spoiler, it came out in the 80s. If you haven't read it by now and you're not a comic fan, whatever. Crisis of Infinite Earths, when Barry Allen as the Flash writes on, you know, runs on this, I forget, it's like a, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's like a time-space treadmill. He essentially did a, something similar, I believe in the second season of The Flash, and except, except instead of Barry Allen actually dying, it was like a Flash reflection i forget how that i explained it a lot of my memory is terrible for these things maybe i should have watched it before i came on and started talking about it anyway that was a kind of a version of crisis of infinity infinite earths that they did on the flash or rather uh, already so this sounds kind of like that and it kind of is uh and also people are like earth x what the hell isn't that that marvel miniseries uh that takes place kind of also in an alternate universe. Yes, it is. This has nothing to do with that. 
But uh, the one thing, just as a comparison, if you watch Justice League and I would, uh, and you did enjoy it, great. Uh, we'll get more into that when we post the Justice League review, which will probably not be next week, but the following week. I know I keep saying like the schedule like of when these are going to post, and then they don't actually post when I say they're going to post. I, this is me ahead of time trying to put it out into the universe that we'll actually post these things sort of on time, and then it, you know, for scheduling reasons, it doesn't actually happen. Whatever. Back to Crisis on Infinite Earths. See, I'm already doing it. I'm already messing it up because I get confused because it's so similar. Crisis on Earth X. So if you did enjoy Justice League, but you're like, eh, it's still a little bit morose and you want to see something that's a lot more fun and has a shit ton more heroes in it, uh, I would highly recommend, just for shits and giggles, for fun, uh, I think you can get it now on Hulu. I believe it's available also on the CW app and on the CW site. I think you can get it for free still, probably with some ads, but, you know, whatever. It is worth seeing. It is so much fun. You don't really, in my opinion, don't really need to watch any of, have watched any of the other shows consistently which was a good choice, I think, for having a giant crossover. It kind of helps if you've watched all the shows. Like, it'll add to it, but I don't think it's necessary. You'll just, like, there's some character interactions and some character histories that you'll be like, oh, why is that character treating that character this way? Or why did she say that? Why did he say that? What? Oh, that person's dead? Where did, who are they talking about? You won't know any of that. I don't think you need to know any of that to enjoy it. I will say, just... In the same way that the last time they had a crossover, which was the big alien invasion story, uh, which I'm forgetting the name of when they the last time the CW did this, and the thing that you could compare it to was Batman v Superman, much, much more enjoyable than Batman v Superman. And I gotta say, even though I like Justice League, and not getting into too much detail about Justice League, this, I feel like I had more fun watching these two nights and what was essentially about four hours of CW big hero crossover than I did the Justice League. And it seems like, well, what are you talking about? Like the CW thing, Crisis on on Earth-X was a lot longer. It was like, what's weird is that it didn't feel as long as Justice League, even though Justice League was not at, uh, as long as it could have been and if it had been longer it would have ruined it i'll try i'll try not to discuss justice league too much but it's kind of hard not to compare the two consider especially considering they're both dc i mean just in general cw generally speaking has been killing it has not killing it but has been handling the dc universe a lot better than than the DC EU uh, or the DC movie universe and I think that's just because I mean it's a series they've had more time to establish the characters they there's a definitely more of a it's a completely different vibe for the shows especially Legends of Tomorrow which is utterly ridiculous and utterly sometimes utterly stupid uh we'll get, I'll get into some of the characters in uh, a little bit so, but if you didn't watch it when it was live, Crisis on Earth X, I would actually highly recommend it. It was a shit ton of fun. Like, and it really felt 
its biggest strength is unlike Justice League. Again, a comparison. What are you going to do? It's just the most obvious thing that you're going to compare it to. It was fun. Like, it didn't, for the most part, take itself too seriously. And so many more here. I mean, obviously... Uh, the CW DC universe has so many more of the DC characters that they can play with. And there are so many characters that they don't because they can't use them necessarily. They just avoid them completely. And actually that's a strength. I mean, they did a, a deus machina not having Superman. So super, there is a Superman on the Supergirl series. They had a whole thing with the reverse flash where he implied or outright stated that in his version on Earth X, in his version, in his universe, he killed Superman. So that was just conveniently not having Superman there. So Earth X. I kind of want to... Well, before we get to Earth X, I want to talk about this, the, the positive things first. Because Earth X, uh, the whole thing of Earth X, there are some positive things there, and I'll get to that in a minute. But character-wise, so positives for Crisis on Earth-X is a lot of these characters have, you know, met before. They've been on each other's shows. To have everybody on each other's shows, there are some really great uh, character contrasts and ways that characters interact. So the setting is the Barry... Alan and Iris West wedding that gets invaded by the by the Earth X villains, which yeah, screw it, it's not a spoiler. They turn out to be Earth, you know, Earth X's versions of you know Green uh, Green Arrow, Supergirl, and Prometheus, who is was a, a villain, not the one from the comic books, different villain in the Arrowverse. So it's essentially like an evil Green Arrow, uh, the reverse Flash, and an evil Supergirl is what you need to know who the villains are. They they crash the wedding. You know, the big old fight that's, you know, fun. I mean, it's CW, so what are you going to do? They don't have the hundreds of million dollar budget that, that, that Justice League does. But it still looks pretty cool. It doesn't, it's, you know, it's TV. What do you want? You know, what are you expecting? But, uh, you know, just some great little character moments. Even in just the wedding, you have uh, Alex, who I know the actress's name better than I know the character because I don't really watch Supergirl. Uh, but she is part of not Argus. What is, is it Argus? I can't even remember. Like I said, I don't really watch Supergirl, but she's part of basically what that would be. What that is in the Arrow universe, she's like part of that. In the Supergirl universe, it's Alex. It's essentially Kara's sister, quote unquote. Not literally her sister or like adopted sister. Played by Charlie Lay. Tyler Lay, who many of you, if you don't watch Supergirl, would know from Not Another Teen Movie. She was the female star of Not Another Teen Movie, which is one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies of all time. Putting that aside, had a very, uh, a, you know, committed a lesbian relationship in Supergirl with another character that she had just split up from by the time that the crossover happens 
And of course, because if you didn't know this, uh, Sarah Lance, who is the White Canary, who was on Arrow for a while as a Black Canary and had a whole history there. Not so great of a character on Arrow, much better character as the leader of everyone on Legends of Tomorrow. Huge fan of Katie Lotz. So, of course, they get drunk, they hook up. There's a whole, like, you know, thing where they do a little arm, arm over arm drinking shots. That's kind of great. And just the interaction between the two of them is great. I love Katie Lotz. By the way, as Sarah Lance, I love her much better now that she's kind of grown into the character and grown into being a leader as the character than she ever was on Arrow. I never really liked her character on Arrow. Nothing against Katie Lotz of her character on Arrow. It's just that I don't think she was a stronger character. But uh, she is... So Sarah Lance is by on those shows. She hooks up with Alex. There's a whole great character and interaction there putting aside whatever titillation lesbianism still has on television which honestly at this point who cares i don't know if there's still dudes who are still out there like ooh, two women kissing yeah whatever i don't care uh i just think that the, the character interaction there was played beautifully sarah especially uh, alex reacting to the one night stand awkwardly and not knowing what to do with it and Sarah going no this is what it is you don't have to put any like just that interaction was beautiful anytime also you get all of the women together the female characters together Felicity and Iris and and Sarah and Alex and Kara as Supergirl. Anytime you get all of those character, female characters together, it's usually pretty great, uh, with the exception of, unfortunately, Caitlin Snow, otherwise known as Killer Frost, who is written much better when she's Killer Frost uh, than is when she's Caitlin. She's really uninteresting when she's Kale- Caitlin, and a lot more interesting when she's Caitlin. So what do you want? A lot of characters, female characters, are written more interesting when they're evil. Does that say something about it? There's probably something about the patriarchy in there. In fact, not even probably. There's definitely something to do with the patriarchy and the way women are, are written on shows that they're more interesting when they're evil. Hmm. Whatever. In any event, there's there's definitely something... Ooh, a mosquito. Sorry, that was a distraction. A mosquito. I don't know how it got into the the base here, and I don't know how it just flew onto the goddamn microphone while I was recording. You're interrupting us, Mosquito. In any event, uh, all those character interactions were great. Uh, Always love, especially because Arrow can be so dour, the contrast uh, between Barry and Ollie, uh, Green Arrow and The Flash, respectively, is always fun to watch, especially at the end of this series. Whenever you have the two of them just kind of together kind of bouncing off of each other like Barry's optimism and kind of brightness bouncing off of Ollie's kind of you know darkness and dourness it's good so one of the really strong points in this is the character interactions which is something again not getting too much into that but I definitely think this it has it over Justice League uh also just a preponderance of 
you know, uh, racial representation, sexual orientation representation. So they introduced the Ray, who is played by Russell Tovey, who you may know from Being Human, the British series, and a brief stint playing a... I forget what I don't know what his character would have been called, but he was on the one of the, one of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who, which is the Space Tech Titanic episode. So that's Russell Tovey. You should know who Russell Tovey is. You should have watched Be- Being Human on the British side. You should have avoided it when it came on a Sci-Fi Channel because it really wasn't as good. But you have Russell Tovey, and he is coupled with in a great moment, uh, Leo Snart who is Captain Cold, who in the Earth-X universe is gay. Uh, and they are a couple, which is awesome because both of those actors, to my knowledge, are also gay in actual real life and pairing them up. Also, just uh, both big fan of both of those actors. The guy who plays Captain Cold. It's always fun to see when he popped up on The Flash. Always fun when he popped up on Legends of Tomorrow. And looks like the gay version of him is going to be sticking around on The Flash, which is great. Uh, one of the great little uh, bits on that. Great to see the Ray as a character. Great that he was played by Russell Tovey. Just all of that high marks. The actor who I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he plays Mick. Uh, Mick and Sarah are the best two characters from Legends of Tomorrow. There's also uh, uh, the two, uh, the, the woman who plays Isis and the woman who plays Vixen. Both uh, really good characters, both also bringing in some more, you know, women of color on the show it is great. Wish they were written a little better. Wish the, sh- wish the show of which they were being featured was a little bit better, being Legends of Tomorrow. That being said, uh, good to see them. They had some really great moments in this crossover once again, that's always on Legends of Tomorrow. Mick and Sarah, I totally, and I am going to write a spec for this that will probably pop up on the Nerd Protocol site. It might even pop up on, it, if it does, it's not going to show up for a little while, probably not for a couple of months. But the, uh, we're going to do a, if, I swear, I'm putting this out there, so if CW does it before I do, or before we do, I won't be upset about this, but make a Sarah and Mick sideshow. So White Canary and I forget what his character... I should know this, but I'm just drawing a blank on the character's name. But it's uh, Mick Rory and and Sarah Lance. Just them getting drunk because their character interactions are always great. They're always great for a laugh. Some great moments, you know, when they're staying... When he comes over, Mick stays over. He's walking around the house naked and... He ends up wearing one of the female characters, like, over robes, very flowery, like, bathroom robe, because she didn't want him walking around naked. And just the, the interactions between Sarah, and Sarah's so, such, for lack of a better way of putting it, Sarah is such a pimp, as far as just every time you see her, just like, she's, you know, the fact that she hooks up with Alex... The fact that, you know, there's a moment when they're on the Earth X where she's, she's very, like, kind of proudly com- proclaiming her when they ask her. I forget what the question they ask her, but she's like, I like men. I like women. You know, just kind of putting it out there very proudly. Love her character. Uh, she's the best character on Legends of Tomorrow by far. Uh, 
so that was cool. Some of the costume decisions for the Ray were pretty cool. The Earth X evil versions of Green Arrow and Supergirl were pretty cool. The Prometheus kind of twist where on Earth X it turns out it's a uh, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. That it's Tommy, who we haven't seen since season two of Arrow. That was nice to see that actor again. He had a nice little brief moment. Always loved Curtis. Curtis is now my favorite character on Arrow. He always has great moments. I will say Team Arrow sort of had a a, a, a little bit of a chance to shine, but not, to be perfectly honest, not really as much as maybe I would have liked them to. They're... But uh, all that was great. And now the stuff that wasn't so great. Uh, I mean, Legends of Tomorrow, all of their problems are all there. So Nate, hashtag Nate, Nate is trash. I don't even know or care anymore. I was going to look it up. I don't care anymore what what hero, what DC hero he's playing. He's bootleg Colossus wearing a Captain America suit, Captain America costume, as far as I'm concerned. In fact, there's a moment where they had Killer Frost, like, literally riding, like, shooting ice and riding what is this, not even essentially, what is an Iceman ice, like, slide thing, the thing that Iceman does in all the comic books where he shoots ice and then it's like a slide, did that. And you're just looking at poor... Killer Frost and poor, not poor Nate. Nate is trash. I'm sorry to that actor. I'm sorry your character is trash and should die and should be murked as soon as it's humanly possible. Because uh, you're supposed to be comedy to relief and you're really not that funny or just kind of an idiot. And whenever I want comedy relief, I just go to Mick and his lines are always much better. He's written much better than your character is. And blah, 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 blah. You're just bootleg Colossus and bootleg Iceman for most of the fight scenes in this. They definitely ape a lot from the Marvel movies. It's not... I mean, I'm not... I wasn't mad about it because there were some cool things like like the Adam riding one of Curtis's little... Uh, I forget. One of his balls. Riding Curtis's balls. They make a joke about it on the show. Whatever. I, I forget what they're actually called. But it was definitely... It was Ant-Man riding... Hawkeye's arrows from Civil War. That's definitely what it was. There were a couple other moments in there where there's just stuff when they're fighting, when Team Arrow and everyone else is fighting Metallo, they definitely did a Terminator metal head flying through his fine towards the screen they definitely did when the other heroes show up and start blasting him it was definitely a, oh that was an age old look you 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 basically ate that scene from age of ultron great you know so I, there was a lot of stuff that was lifted from the marvel team movies so to speak but it wasn't bad so i wasn't really that upset about it but a couple things just upset and has upset people to no end. Number one, why on Earth X, the villain, they just went for the trope, which is another an alternate Earth where the Nazis won. Yeah, of course, because that's always the go-to trip, a trope when you need an easy, really evil villain. And it's like, do we really need to see? Is this a thing that we need to see on a screen anymore? Uh, like Nazis, do we need really need to see another recreation of a concentration camp? Like, it's kind of like 
especially on a kind of a cheesy superhero show, it's like it's just a cheap way to get to make things look serious. It's like it's it's right up there. Like the Nazi trope is right up there with with for me, like slavery trope, you know, have characters be either it be literally be slavery or have a slave allegory in there. Unless it's done really well, it just comes across as either really tired or extremely offensive. That's always a thing. So just having a Nazi trope is just whatever. Some, you know, ugh, ugh, ugh. Once again, uh, and I knew this was going to happen, like he returned for the Flash episode right before the big crossover. So you had Wally return. Yay, Wally's back. And then you had, oh, he's going to go protect Joe. So he's going to disappear for this entire crossover. Oh, so we had Wally come back and then figure out that we couldn't really write anything good for him to do in this crossover. So Wally is gone again. I'm I root. I'm not the only one. I know there are other Flash fans out there who root for Wally West so hard and every they just don't know how to write him. There's a rumor that he's not going to be on the Flash as much because he's going to be on the new Teen Titans show. I hope that's true. I hope they find a way to use him. I on from a purely story standpoint, I understand why they don't have Wally in there is because having two speedsters is redundant in the superpower uh if you're the superpower pantheon of whatever. So you have like the supergirl, you have the strength person, you have the Flash, you the speed person. You have Arrow, who's Batman. He's Batman. What do you want? What do you want? He's Batman. Uh, so you have that. So having Wally in there, I get it. Having two speedsters who are heroes is redundant from a power perspective. But just the fact that over and over again, they had Wally West come in as, you know, you have this great actor this great you know character of color coming in and they, they consistently shortchange him as a character and it's just so tiresome at this point and that brings me right to a couple other characters who they just don't know how to write for yet so far and and the fact that they're in they almost always end up being characters of color just kind of as annoying they still don't really in my opinion I mean, it's partially because Legend of Tomorrow, just quality-wise and as a show, I don't think is good enough that they've been able to do this. They haven't been able to have Isis or Vixen really come in as strong characters. I can't even tell you that it's the actor's fault because I don't think they've really given them anything strong enough to work with. I mean, one of those characters just kind of showed up on Legend of Tomorrow, so there's that. Once again, and I am not a hater of Caitlyn. It's just that they, another character that they consistently write terribly. And unless she's evil. And it's like, look, either have her be evil, the conflict thing does not work, or just write her better, or just write her off the show. I mean, I hate to be the guy who says just uh, like with Nate. Also, like nothing against that actor. It's, it's I a lot of that probably isn't his fault. He's just a you know really he could be a terrible actor. I don't know. He could be a great actor. I don't know because 
all the stuff they give him to do is so terribly written. Caitlin Snow is the same thing. All the stuff that they give her to do is consistently like badly written. Wally is the same way, consistently badly written, which there is no excuse for because there are other characters that are written so well. And not just written so well. I mean, I don't even know. Like, I Jesse L. Martin, the guy who plays Joe West, consistently the best actor on that show. I mean, he's a great actor in general. So even if you kind of gave him bad dialogue, and he's been given bad dialogue on The Flash, believe you me, he pulls it up to his level, but consistently he gets great dad speeches. There's there's definitely a scene in there where he gives this little speech in like the pre-wedding party, and you're just like, fucking, it's Jesse L. Martin again, being the best fucking actor on the whole damn show. And then you have guy, you know, you have Cisco and Dick Wells, hashtag Dick Wells, by the way, on Twitter. Uh, Time Kavanaugh, and I'm drawing a blank on the guy who plays Cisco, but Cisco and Wells, their interaction, they're kind of odd copy, odd couple. I hate you, but we we actually work really well together. Thing is great. They get a lot of great moments in this, and that brings me is it comes down to the writing. It's for this crossover, what always happens is the shows that are better, it brings up the parts, brings out the parts that are strongest about them. So you get in these team-ups the, some of the best, the, the best things about the Flash TV show, the Arrow TV show, even Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl. You get like the positive elements. You get to see Kara as a character when she gets to interact with some of these other characters. She is, in my opinion, stronger uh, as a character than she ever is on her own show, which, in my opinion, isn't written as well. And I know it's, I, you know, the target audience for that is a little bit more supposed, supposedly is supposed to be a little bit more female. But the problem I always have with Supergirl is if you're going to do that, you can't. So how do I articulate this? I'm going to articulate this probably badly, and it might sound terrible, and you guys can yell at me on Twitter about it. I'm fine with it. There are characters that are written for, that are supposedly written for women, that might even be written by women, but it seems like that they're writing, you're writing towards what you think the audience wants, rather than, you're par- you're patronizing your audience, basically. And I always get that feeling on Supergirl, kind of this thing of if you're kind it seems, at least to me, maybe I'm a I'm a guy, maybe I'm not the core audience, maybe I'm completely off base on it. I'm totally willing to admit that. But it seems to me that that show is supposed to be skewing and targeting a more female audience than say Arrow or The Flash is, although the man candy on Arrow and The Flash, especially on Arrow, is just like, well, that clearly is targeting the female audience and the gay male audience, to be perfectly honest, as well. But if you're going to do that, if that is your aim with Supergirl, it always feels like they're writing towards what they think that audience would like. It's like, oh, what would be... You know, there are girls watching this Supergirl show, this Supergirl show. What would they want to see? And it always seems they're like they're writing towards that. 
and it always comes it at least strikes me as a little bit patronizing and that always so the the writing and all of that the quality of the individual show on Supergirl and on Legends of Tomorrow always when it's thrown up against the other two CW shows in crossovers like this like The Flash like Arrows and that's not to say that Arrow the most recent Arrow I mean I'll get into this in a different episode but the most recent season of Arrow hasn't been kind of terrible and the most recent season of Flash also kind of because they're both in like their fifth and sixth seasons fourth and sixth seasons I think respectively starting to slow down a little bit in the writing category as well so they are not as good either but it always strikes me that when they when they have these crossovers that you see not just the strengths of the individual shows but you see the weaknesses of the individual shows as well so when the humor and the kind of cheesiness of legends of tomorrow has to get thrown up against the more seriousness of arrow and the flash you see how really cheesy and kind of you know, cheesy and the serious moments just don't work on Legends of Tomorrow when it's thrown up in con- sharp contrast like this when those characters have to interact with the Arrow and the Flash characters. Same thing with Supergirl. You you see how much weaker a show Supergirl ends up being when it's thrown up against the Flash and Arrow. I'm not going to say against Legends of Tomorrow because I don't think quality-wise they're they're... I think they're about the same to me. I know Supergirl has its devout fans. I have seen them because they tweeted during this event. They tweeted during Crisis on Earth X, and they they definitely have a contingent. But there's just of all the soap operaness of the shows, it just seems like Supergirl always ends up being, and it just oh god, this is a this is gonna be a horrible comparison. And for those of you who love Supergirl, I apologize. I mean. What's her name was even on the show. She played Cat. It's it's Ally McBeal with superpowers, which is I actually think how they pitched it. To be perfectly honest, in the, in the beginning, and look, we have Callista Flockhart. There we go. Her name came to me as as Cat, and it's just like there's been some cool alien subplots. You know, Martian Manhunter definitely having a strong arc. On Supergirl, I say I don't watch it. I actually watch enough of it because there's just some stuff in there. Who's like, okay, that that's a character I like in the comic books. I will see what they're doing with that character in the show. And there's been some cool ones, like whenever the White Martians show up on Supergirl, it's usually pretty decent. When they had all the Daxamites, and as stunt casting, they put Terry Terry Hatcher in there, like they brought on uh, Dean Kane, the two people from the Adventures of. Lois and Clark, it was just the Daxamites, Monel, that whole. Uh, 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 no, I'm sorry. It was, just, it was, it was, it was, that was like their big thing last season. And I, I tried. I really did, y'all. I, I tried to watch it. It was just, it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. That's all I can say. You can disagree with me. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, send me your nerd death threats, whatever you want. And I will say, like, it might sound like I'm just hating on Supergirl because it's the girl show. And I was just like, mm, I, I didn't want to. I wanted to like it. And then it just isn't that good of a show. And believe me, when the Flash and Arrow are bad, I hate on them just as much. Like, I have always said that the Arrow is trash. It's beautiful trash. 
it's sometimes very well done trash, but it is trash nonetheless. Most of the CW in general, it's it's beautiful trash. Sometimes it's really done well done trash. It's still trash. So yeah. All that being said, I know I said a lot of bad stuff. I hope I balanced that out with the positive stuff. But overall, just there's some really there's some really positive things that they did with this crossover and some really positive things that they've just been doing in general and not beginning making a big deal about it on the CWDC shows. It's currently, aside from the animated stuff, the in my opinion, the only stuff that consistently DC has been Warner Brothers has been doing right, and I think it's because they, it is a completely separate universe, and Zack Snyder is not in front of it uh, or behind it. That being said, I know it's expensive, but they've shown some so much other stuff on all these CW shows. They've already had a Superman. I they've hinted at Batman. They haven't had a Batman. I don't. I they they shouldn't have a Batman. In my opinion, they never should have had a Superman on Supergirl. But I guess you can't ignore that. But I just, I want to see them do Green Lantern. I know I want them to have lanterns. I want someone, I want some live action property to DC is doing somewhere to have fucking Green Lanterns. I know you had the little bit of it. Spoiler, 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 spoiler in Justice League. If you haven't seen it, there is a Green Lantern in justice league but god damn it i want i want some lantern core in these shows in something that isn't animated i want to see a hal jordan i know they had a bit they had a one little bit where you don't see his face and he's not a green lantern where they had hal jordan on arrow no lines just in a flashback you just saw a guy who's flat the the flight jacket and it was clearly hal but uh yeah i want to see some and they've had ferris air be a representation on Arrow. So it's just like, come on, just give us a fucking lantern already. What a lantern. Anyway, so uh, that, wow, that's a lot on Crisis on Earth X. It's worth watching, people. It's worth watching, nerds. Go watch it. It's, it's, it's a decent watch. It's fun. In other things that we are uh, covering, I'm going to do briefly. One thing, uh, a lot of people, I tweeted out on Twitter about possibly watching the Orville. I watched the first two episodes, and I did enjoy it. Uh, I, I, I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to watch it because I'm just, I'm so tired. I was done with Seth MacFarlane. I was done with everything that he created, but I kept hearing really good things about the Orville and it happened to be on when there was another show that I was watching that I was live tweeting. So I saw the Orville tweets come in. So I started to watch it and I enjoyed it initially. And then the more I watched it, the more I was like, wow, he's just made the Alexi quest, the series. And the more I watched it, the more I thought about it, and I'll probably get even more pissed off about this when I finally do get around to watching the CBS Star Trek series, which I am going to get to uh, through means that I will not discuss, but I'm going to watch that. So the more I watched of the Orville, the, the less that they took a completely straight comedy tack, which I really, 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 wow. That was weird. Really wish they had because I think it would be a better show if they really just completely committed to the comedy. But r what it ends up being 
and why I, I'm going to try and watch a couple more episodes, but the more I watch, the more I'm like, fuck this show and fuck Seth MacFarlane once again. Is Seth MacFarlane fucking did what he always has done. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm a person who originally loved Family Guy and then had to stop watching it because of the uh, rape and Asian jokes that didn't even have jokes behind them. They were just, here's a, re- a really offensive reference to either rape or some really offensive Asian stereotype, and there's no joke behind it. So I gave up on Family Guy for that reason. And it seems like as much, and Family, I mean, he made fun of it on Family Guys, basically. Oh, he watched The Simpsons, ripped it off, and stuck himself in it. And made a successful animated show out of it. Basically, all you need to know about the fucking Orville is he did the same fucking thing with or- with Star Trek and Galaxy Quest. Is He watched Star Trek and loved it. He watched Galaxy Quest clearly and loved it. And then go, oh, what would this show look like if I was in it and behind it? And he fucking did that. And that's what that fucking show is in spite of some good elements. That's all that fucking show is. It's like, so instead of getting, you have to pay for the new Star Trek show, and instead of getting an actual Star Trek show on television, what you get is a fake, sort of funny, but sort of not Star Trek show on Fox, and that is the fucking Orville. And, like, that's what pisses me so much about it. And it's not really even that Seth MacFarlane pisses me off that much, really, anymore. It's just that there are so many other shows and creators and people and sci-fi ideas that you could have done so many other funny ideas that you could have done and they have done none of them and it's because he had you know family guy was such a success and the his movies have been relatively speaking a success that like they keep they just it's like oh i and i get it i get it from fox's perspective is like give him another show and it'll be sci-fi and we know that he lo- i look i know he loves star trek i know he loves star wars i know he loves these things and you can see it on the show but the problem with it is that it's just ends up being i'm on some moments in the episode i'm watching star trek except Seth MacFarlane's in it and he's behind it, and occasionally there's a joke, or I'm watching something that's funny. Oh, wait, it's not funny anymore. Why isn't it funny? And it's just the inconsistency, and also just the fucking Seth MacFarlane-ness, for lack of a better way of putting it, about it. I just, I'm I'm going to try it again, but I'm telling you, I might have to go back to my original opinion even before the show came out, which was basically fuck Seth MacFarlane and fuck the Orville, which I might have to go back with, back to, unfortunately. So that is that uh, briefly. Quickly, even though I'm going to be doing an entire episode about this very soon. Actually, I'm not, I'm going to be doing, there's going to be an episode, another episode of Anime Nostalgia coming up. We're going to be covering Fate Zero, probably, uh, definitely Basilisk. I just finished Basilisk. There's going to be some discussion of Basilisk. Probably no Naruto or Naruto Shippuden for a while or Roroni Kenshin. There's, I'm definitely going to be posting, there's definitely going to be a Cowboy Bebop episode because I've been going back and watching that in subtitled format. Originally, I watched it in dub format because I watched it on Adult Swim. Nah, nah, nah. But been watching that and also watch all of Basilisk. 
I will not be doing a review on that here because we're almost at an hour here, so we've been doing pretty well. But I will tell you that if you like cheesy fight sequences, really beautiful animation, some odd religious like iconography and sort of magic and fighting if you like soul caliber at all you'll also like it uh fate apocrypha which is netflix's new one of netflix's new anime series they just put out the first season it is part the fate stay night series which i will be getting more into in a in a a future episode uh, i will say much like crisis on earth x so if you are familiar with the fate stay night or the fate zero or any of those shows there's some stuff that if you haven't finished those shows or watched those shows there's some stuff on this that might be kind of spoilerly because it's set you know after those shows technically speaking there's some flashbacks that kind of explain what happened so there's characters that have definitely died so if you haven't uh i won't say who they are but they're if you haven't watched Fate Zero or any of the, the sort of Fate Stay Night series, I will say that, and you don't want kind of spoilers for those series, although it has been a while since those series have come out. I know a lot of people anime, you don't watch it right when it comes out, except for maybe Attack on Titan uh, and a couple of those are, you know, shows that are coming out as new. But I don't think you... Unless you, if you don't care about the spoilers about those or you haven't watched any of those shows and you do like, you know, Soul Calibur or any of those things, watch Fate Apocrypha. It's not, the episodes are like 23 minutes. If you skip over the intros and like the end credits, they're actually only about 18 minutes and only one season is up so far and there aren't that many episodes. It's, I think it's like 12 or 13 episodes. You can zip through it in a day and it's fun. It's enjoyable. I dig it. The animation's really, really pretty. Yeah, it's it's fun. What can I say? I would recommend that. So, yeah, I think that's it for this episode. We're going to be doing the Punisher episode. It's going to be posting next week, along with a little bit of uh, Runaways. If you aren't watching Runaways, I believe the way we're going to be doing that, just as a, a little plug, is... 7, 6 or 7 p.m., more likely 7 p.m. every Tuesday. Let's just say that. 7 p.m. every Tuesday, we're going to be live-tweeting episodes of Runaways. So, yeah, uh, keep an eye out for that. Tuesday night's going to be a big night, at least until Flash and Legends tomorrow. And in the meantime, stay needy. I messed up the end. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. It's because I've been talking for almost an hour. Stay nerdy, y'all.